Behind the Headlines, the New Israel Fund's podcast sharing insight and analysis from activists in Israel. You're listening to Kalela Lancaster on the April 2016 edition of the New Israel Fund's podcast Behind the Headlines. I'm here today with Avner Gvaryao, one of the leaders of Israeli human rights NGO Breaking the Silence, the group which has really brought the brunt of an orchestrated smear campaign against human rights organizations that's been going on in Israel in recent months. Recently, it was escalated when footage that was secretly recorded by a right-wing group, Ad Khan, was released on primetime TV in Israel with allegations that Breaking the Silence collects classified military information. The very next day, Defense Minister Yalon used the term treason in relation to the activities of the group, and suggestions were bandied around in the media that its leaders should be sent to jail. Since then, actually we've heard that an inquiry that was set up into these allegations was quietly ended, having concluded that the Breaking the Silence did not in fact collect classified information. And we've heard beginnings of retractions of these kinds of accusations of treason. But in any case, it's a very intense time for the organization. And Avner, I really thank you for joining us at this very challenging time. Yeah, it's my pleasure. Okay, so Avner, I'd like to begin by talking about you yourself personally, your own personal journey. If you could just share with us a little bit about your background. I know that you come from Rehovot, you're from a religious family, you went to yeshiva, uh, you were a paratrooper in the army. So, you know, what led you to actually end up going to break in the silence to give testimony? And ultimately, you became extremely committed to the organization, you joined the organization, and you became one of its spokespeople and one of its international leaders. You know, I think in, in my society and in, in my household, um, you know, both of definitely my parents, but also my, my surroundings, my rabbis, my teachers, my friends, I mean, we were all always, always sort of got a feeling that um, you know the best the best way to be a, a good person or a good civilian is to uh, you know be involved in the community um, you know be 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 helpful relevant for change and that's what you know motivated me to volunteer in Magenda Vidadon when I was young that's what motivated me to be active in the Israeli Scouts that's what pushed me to do a year of community service and um, and, and the truth of the matter is that when, when, when I think back, you know, just, just meeting the actual reality, this day-to-day reality of, of what the army is being asked to do in the West Bank is what um, motivated me eventually to break my silence. I mean, um, you know, I think my activism in breaking silence is a, is a direct connection to that. But before joining the army, I never had... A real interaction with a Palestinian. I never, I never set, set, set foot into a Palestinian's home. And, you know, the first time I did that was when I was, you know, um, um, over 19, already a, a soldier for a year, um, you know, with my gun, with my helmet, with my, all my army uniform and, and, and um, equipment, barging into someone's home in the middle of the night. Uh, and, I, and I think that, uh, very simply put, um, the, the mission that, um, that I was given, the mission that Israeli soldiers are given, um, isn't something that's discussed in the Israeli public. What happened every night was that I found myself barging into an innocent family's home. Um, and as you know, someone that always 
saw himself as a good person, as a moral human being, there was a moral dilemma there. And I think part of my attempt to, to solve that dilemma um, was, was with and through breaking the silence. Right. Well, I certainly can. Uh, I certainly hear from your story how um, it's very much a moral quest and something that you feel that you gained in re- really from you, the values that you were brought up in, Jewish values. Um, and I'm, I'm pretty sure that uh, many, many of the soldiers that have given testimonies to breaking the silence are coming from that kind of place. But I do want to talk about some of the concerns that have been raised. Uh, through this recent, uh, uh, through through the campaign against breaking the silence, and in particular the the recently released footage um, that was aired on on Israeli TV, you know the the organization's core goal is to expose the immorality of the occupation, like you're saying, and to bring about its end ultimately. But the concern is is that possibly your work could inadvertently serve the interests of enemies of the state of Israel. Somehow it could, you know, information you gather could fall into the wrong hands and could maybe harm Israeli security. And what do you think about these kinds of claims or concerns? Is it something that the organization thinks about, discusses? Do you think that it's possible? You know, just before, you know, I talk about the allegations, it's crucial to understand that you know, um, there there was um, um, there's there's a campaign going on um, which is targeting um, anti-occupation groups. Um, basically, since 2009, uh, we really see where um, there's an attempt to pass laws that will um, um, you know make it more difficult for anti-occupation groups to act. The latest the latest law that is on the table is what the justice minister calls the Transparency Act, but there's nothing farther from it to be about transparency, but it's about delegitimizing um, uh, groups that expose the reality of occupation. Um, there's also um, campaigns that are run by extreme right-wing NGOs, um, and one of these NGOs is uh, an NGO called ADKAN, which is funded by the local municipality of uh, the Sumerian area, um, which is basically funded by the state. And this group has been, for years now, we don't even know how long they've been working, sending spies, civilians, to spy on other civil society organizations. Um, and this is, the, this is the material we're talking about. Now, this is just important to understand because the fact that Channel 2 sort of took the narrative of this organization um, and bought into their, um, you know, half-truths and distortion of the reality um, is saddening. Specifically for the allegations, all the information that we gather, not only do we tell soldiers in advance not to share secrets with us um, and that we are not interested in state secrets, but to tell us about the reality and their experiences, we also have another layer of sort of protection there with uh, a, a legal, uh, you know, um, legal supervisation who works with breaking the silence and make sure that everything we do is, is within the law. But even more than that, all our information, and this is the Israeli law and we, of course, buy by the law, before publication has to go through the military censorship. This is a body that we've been working with for, for over a decade, and, and the information that we 
publishes only after, um, um, you know, this official body, the only, the only body in Israel that can regulate stuff like this, gives us the green light. And these specific cases, and this is sort of amazing to, to understand, in these specific cases um, that were sort of, you know, quote unquote, revealed, all the transcripts of these interviews were passed on to the army censorship. And you know what the interesting part is? Go ahead. The, the only parts that were actually censored out by um, um, the army censorship were the cases where one of the soldiers actually uh, uh, adamantly tried to, to, to take the conversation um, to talk about the Lebanese border, um, which is something we're not interested in. And a reporter from, from Channel 10 actually revealed the story, basically showing that our interviewer tells him, look, this isn't something we deal with, with we deal with the West Bank and Gaza, but if you want to share with us your story, you can. Basically, they tried to plant the story in order to, uh, um, you know, to you. Um, incriminate us. And the, and the truth of the matter is that we worked exactly like we were supposed to, and if, course we we um, did not publish these stories but and this is this is the amazing part this soldier who came to us actually did tell us state secrets real secrets that were all um, cut off by the censorship so I mean we're talking about a group of people that do not care about the security of Israel right, right? because if they really fear that this material will go out right. to the wrong hands. You're saying that these guys would be, it's quite dramatic what you're saying, actually. You're saying that they would be prepared actually to reveal state secrets in order to bring you down. I mean, that, that's what they did. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, unless they fabricated such a magnificent story that even the censorship thought was real, you know, um, um, that they, that they um, um, cut it off. I mean, but that's the reality. So I, I just want to talk a little bit with you, Avnel, about uh, the atmosphere of, of, of incitement and the kind of way that it's affected you personally and, and, and others that you know, friends of yours and colleagues in, in uh, Breaking the Silence and, and beyond in other human rights organizations. I mean, you've represented the organization at home and abroad. You, you've taken a leadership role. You've even spoken on behalf of the organization at the UN. So you're a recognized figure related to Breaking the Silence. And you became a personal target of the um, of the part of the campaign that was in, with the release of this video by Imtil Tzu. This is something that we've discussed on previous podcasts. We had uh, a colleague of yours who also appeared on that video on our podcast, uh, Chagai Elad from B'Tselem. Uh, you were in this video and uh, it was very shocking. The video plastered your face all over the internet and kind of hinted that you are supporting terrorism or helping terrorists um, and and claimed that you're a mole, which is the kind of language that is indicated by the um, legislation that you referred to earlier of, of, of uh, the NGOs who are sort of representing foreign interests. So I just wanted to ask you how all of this has affected you. You know, are you feeling afraid? Do you think the impact of all of this uh, kind of personal attacks is and 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 are, and are you and your colleagues starting to feel nervous? Yes, I think of course you know the, on the one hand there's really the public effect that this has on the organization, um, and I think time will tell really what you know what effect this what long term effect this has, what chilling effect this has on soldiers who wish to break their silence, what effect this will have on people that will 
want to, you know, become more uh, public advocates for, um, you know, um, um, ending occupation in Israel, not only within breaking the silence, but generally. I mean, there's um, you know, with such a such a clampdown from the government with NGOs, you know, with sort of the whole effect of uh, um, um, the, the changes happening in the Israeli media with Sheldon Edelson sort of owning the most um, um, most read newspaper in the country and shifting the way the Israeli media has been has been working. So there's 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 a long term effect that, that it's, I think it's early early to tell. I think that on a personal level, you know, this 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 is, this hasn't been an easy time for me. Um, you know, I've been I'm speaking I'm speaking to you from from New York, where I'm I'm pursuing my master's in, in Columbia University. Um, and um, I, I came here in May, uh, thinking I'll I'll have a chance to sort of uh, get away a little bit and and sort of spend my time in my head in, in school. And this definitely pulled me uh, back in. Um, and I don't know if it's easier that I was far away, or easier would have would have been maybe easier if it, if I would be there. So on the one hand, I don't I'm not fearful for my life from here. I have to say, I mean. You know the, the discourse does find its way also to the campuses here, and um, but um, you know it's been it's been a difficult couple of months. Uh, you know, seeing you know people that I um, um, saw as friends sort of not standing with me and not supporting me, um, or um, you know people sort of buying into these lies spread by uh, by by these NGOs, um, and uh, and also I think. You know the fact that this is sort of affecting my my close circle, my family, my friends, and um, you know it's something that's very very difficult to to disconnect yourself from. So so that's been personally uh, not easy, um, and 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 also you know just uh, just recently uh, you know my, my CEO our CEO uh, Yuli Nova published this this piece in you know, Haaretz about her experiences where. Um, some person um, um, published numbers, personal numbers of people from breaking the silence, and also pu published fat numbers of family members of people in breaking right. the silence. Suddenly, right. you know, you, you, Novak's as grandparents, and they're getting calls at 3 a.m. I mean, it's a, it's a definitely a challenging. A challenging time for us. Well, you well, let's talk about you being a different continent because maybe it's given you some perspective. Um, I mean, we're sitting here. Uh, I also I'm sitting like you in the di in the diaspora, not in Israel, um, and we also see this, watch this playing out from afar. Um, I mean, how does it feel for you being from afar, and what do you think, with the perspective that you have? can be the role of uh, of groups in the diaspora or other groups who care about the state of Israel and who want to see, uh, like you say, an end to the occupation. They want to see Israel moving forward uh, towards uh, peace with its neighbors. Um, what can be done? It's not as if breaking the silence is, is introducing the topic of, of the occupation, right? I mean, this is, uh, um, this is the hot potato. This is something everyone is... Is talking about in the in the Jewish communities. I mean, this is you know Israel, which once was sort of this uniting concept, is now tearing the, the Jewish communities apart. And I think that um, um, it has to do a lot with sort of you know the silence that is happening here as well. 
the American Jewish community, for example, and, and I'm sure it's, there's the similarities in the UK, is constantly talking about this, is dealing with this from different perspectives. And I think that there's, uh, this is, there's a very tricky point because so many people are criticizing Israel anyway, right? I mean, there's so much criticism from every direction. So why add, you know, why add your criticism? Why invite groups like Break in the Silence? Why, you know, uh, um, or other groups that the New Israel Fund supports? Why add that to the mix? But, but from my perspective, this is exactly why the, the, the voice of uh, people from abroad is so crucial. Because, you know, the, the, the line that our government is sort of selling the world very actively and very aggressively, um, now more than ever, is if you want to support Israel, you have to support the occupation and the expansion of the settlements. I mean, if you listen to Tzipi Chotuveli, our, our, our foreign deputy minister, deputy foreign minister, if you listen to Naftali Bennett, our education minister, if you listen to Ayala Chaked, our justice minister, if you listen to Miri Regev, our culture minister, I mean, we're talking about the most extreme right-wing government where Bibi Netanyahu is sort of seen as a centrist in his own government. Um, now this, is, this, this reality has become so powerful that I think is feeding in to the groups that are sort of attacking Israel's right to exist. Because, you know, these groups, um, you know, um, and some of the people in BDS sort of fit into this, who support BDS fit into this category, basically feed into the exact opposite of that message. You mean, you mean it's kind of a mirror image? Yeah, it's a mirror yeah. image where, where these groups are basically saying, you want to oppose the occupation, you have to oppose all of Israel. And I'm not talking about people that are anti-Zionists or are um, maybe even anti-Semitic. I think, you know, as an Israeli patriot, I believe in my right to self-determination, you know, we can have a theoretical discussion with, you know, anti-Zionism, but I can't accept that. You know, I, I, you know that's the prism of our work. We believe in our right to self-determination. But when people say, my fight for ending the occupation has to go through delegitimizing all of Israel, that's where they lose me. Right. And, and I think that, the, and this is where I'm getting to your answer, I think that the, uh, um, there, there are many groups outside of Israel, and definitely the Jewish communities, but not only, that understand that Israel as a state has the right to exist, and it's good that it exists, and there's not one sovereign country in the world questioning that. Israel, yes, of course, how dare you question our right to self-determination. But the prolonged occupation that denies another people from their right to self-determination, that's something that we can accept. Um, and, and as those voices grow, separating Israel from the occupation, redrawing the green line, making sure that we're putting our energy in battling the occupation, that I would say is is not only uh, uh, important but, but sort of crucial um, for us as sort of Israeli civil societies who are marginalized. I mean, the fact that groups like the New Israel Fund and the unbelievable support that we've been getting with you know uh, from individuals and and from people working in the New Israel Fund and you know the unbelievable letter that Daniel Sokach just wrote uh, yesterday that was published. I mean, this is crucial for us. Sort of continue continue doing our work. Um, there's been amazing support for our work in the Israeli public. We've, we've gotten 
thousands and thousands of private donations from Israelis. Um, and we had former generals standing with us, including you know former head of the, of the, of the uh, Secret Service, Ami Ayalon, and um, other uh, uh, former generals. Um, there was an attempt to ban us from working in pre-military schools. The kids themselves in these pre-military schools signed petitions to keep us in. High school principals have been fighting for us. So, I mean, there, there's a battle going on in the Israeli public. And we are a minority. We're not leading the country. We don't have all the money. We're not writing all the op-eds. But there is a fight. And our voice has to disappear. And that there are other liberal, progressive, pluralistic Jews who believe in Israel but do not believe that our uh, prolonged occupation is the only way forward. Okay, Avner, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, I think we're gonna um, we're gonna bring it to a close now. Uh, I really appreciate that you've taken the time out because it is a very busy time, not only for you in your personal life, but dealing with all of this that everybody in your organization is uh, bearing the brunt of at this time. Um, obviously, as you know, we at the New Israel Fund are very proud to support breaking the silence, um, and we stand with you uh, really shoulder to shoulder in this period. Um, thank you for joining us and. We wish you all the very, very best with your very important work. Yeah, thank you very much for having me. Welcome. Thank you for listening to the New Resolve Fund Behind the Headlines podcast. <laughs>